I'm Patrick Bedeva, host of Value Tim, and I also run a company called PHP Agency, an insurance company. So look, a lot of times people reach out to me and they say, Pat, can you do a podcast? Can we sit down? And every time I do a podcast, I'm just hoping for a new question. I'm hoping somebody asks a question that hasn't been asked. And today's podcast with Adam, I was very impressed. He asked a lot of new questions, which create a new dialogue. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thanks I really, for having really me. appreciate your time. So I want to begin with one question. On your Instagram bio, it says entrepreneur since 10 years old, yep. correct? Cool. Talk to me about where the passion from such a young age came to really wanting to become an entrepreneur. You know, I don't know if it's a passion or if it's a, a, a desperation more for me on how I became an entrepreneur because I think, uh, I honestly think everybody day one started off as an entrepreneur. Everybody. The only reason... 100% of people are not entrepreneurs today is because we have large corporations. Yeah. Let me explain. So imagine if there's no companies to work for, okay? You don't have any job. We start a new uh, country. We start a new community, a new society. You have a wife. You have kids. What do you need to do to feed them? I have to. You wake up in the morning. What are you going to do? I have to go out there and do something. You have to do something. You don't yeah. have a job. You don't have a payroll. You don't have anybody paying you a salary. I think everybody naturally used to be an entrepreneur today. The luxury we have is there's these thousands of big companies that create millions of jobs that you have a choice to say, I'm going to go get a job or I'm going to go become an entrepreneur. But in Germany, I lived at a refugee camp and there was this girl I had the hots for and it was Katarina, a beautiful Czechoslovakian girl and her brother liked video games. So I like his sister, he likes video games. And the Super Mario <coughs> Brothers 2 was coming out. And uh, I said, hey, if I can get that video game, you got to introduce me to your sister. He said, no problem. <laughs> so I went and bought Super Mario Brothers 2. I went to a local swimming pool. And at this local swimming pool, I asked the owner, what are you going to do to clean up all these beer bottles? And uh, he said, I don't have a plan. I said, if I bring it in, what are you going to give me? He says, I'll give you five fennec per, per beer bottle. That summer, I brought 5,000. 5,000 times five is 250 marks. 250 marks is exactly what the Super uh, Nintendo cost. I went to Kaufhof. I bought it, brought it back to the refugee camp. His bro her brother paid with the Super Nintendo, and I played with his sister for a year and a half. <laughs> that's really how I became an entrepreneur. Interesting. So that's kind of when you figured out, like, a, there's a trade for a trade kind of thing. There's Absolutely. a value for value kind oh, of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So has this been instilled in you from your family? Did this whole thing spiral into you becoming the entrepreneur you are today from yourself? Or did you have somebody to look up to when you were going older? No, not at all. So, uh, and, and let me, let me, I don't want to say it in a way where it's like, because sometimes you'll hear a message and you're like, oh my gosh, he was born like this. So my dad wasn't employed. He was not an entrepreneur. He was a chemist. He made products for Nivea and Max Factor in, in Iran. And my mom got a degree, and then she had a job, and then she stayed home when uh, she started having kids. No one in my immediate family <coughs> was an entrepreneur. Now, in our family, when we came to the States, there was a guy in our family. His name was Luther Lazar, a very successful Assyrian businessman. And uh, every once in a while, we would go to his house. I remember his house. I can tell you exactly what his house looked like. 7,200 square feet in the cul uh, at the end of the cul-de-sac, Live right next to Snoop Dogg. 
uh, off of San Antonio in Upland. You would enter his house. To the right was his office. To the end of the hallway was his bedroom. He had a tub at the end of his uh, uh, bedroom. He had a living room over here. To the left was the kitchen. The kitchen was massive. They would wake up in the morning. Everybody would be having kitchen uh, breakfast together. In the living room, another one to the left was a pool table in the back. He had a picture with Al Gore, and he had this picture of uh, he and his family all dressed in white. And he would always sit there with his kids, and he would debate over God, sports, politics, always. He would always throw something out there. He would say, so if God really exists, then why is it when God says, you know, Everything in your life's already been written, but he also gives us free will. How is that even possible? Isn't that contradictory? While he himself is a Christian, but he would spur up, you know, spur all these debates, and everybody would start talking. In his backyard, he had a tennis uh, court, basketball court, swimming pool, a garden. He always drove a, a Jaguar. They always had a Cadillac. That was their house. And I would go there and say, well, this is possible. This is possible. <coughs> so he was a uh, inspiration, but I saw him maybe once every other year. So that was the only example of an entrepreneur I had in my life. Everybody else was an employee. Hmm. Okay. And that stuck with you until you realized. You know, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious because I've heard your story many times, and there's a lot of people like out there that have watched your content. So I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on you know the the entrepreneur in you because you seem like right off the bat when I first met you, your energy is very high, very focused, very narrowed down, super strategic with what you do. Like there, I don't see you as the kind of guy that does anything without a reason behind it. Has this been you since day one, or did you have to train yourself to become to what you no, are? No, it's not a. So has this been in me since day one? Okay, let me tell you what has been in me since day one. I have always gathered people around me, okay? okay. Since day one, when I was a kid. So there was always kids around me. I would gather kids around me. I would tell a story. I would tell a joke. I would play a game. But I always recruited friends and people around me when I was a kid. Uh, in Germany, I did the same thing. I always put a crew together. Uh, in uh, high school, same thing. We had a crew that we had together, that we ran together. In Army, right now, if you go next door, Bradford is now in town. He and I were in the Army together 22 years ago. He stayed in. I got out. We were a crew. 22 years later, he just moved to Dallas yesterday. He's running a part of Valuetainment as a project manager. So it was always a team. Now, clarity-wise, absolutely not clear. Uh, high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do my career, not at all. When I went in the military, it was an out. When I got out of the military, uh, I wanted to be a bodybuilder at that time. Uh, I think the biggest edge, if you want to get a part where, Pat, you know, you seem like you were always going to win. I don't think it was I always was going to win. The one thing that bothered me a lot is how people viewed my family. Uh-huh. Uh, they would look at, uh, in a Middle Eastern family, when somebody gets a divorce, it's a crisis. Yeah. They look at the woman in a whole different way. They look at the man in a whole different way. And uh, no one knows the whole story. That bothered me a lot. And uh, I made a promise to them. One day I sat my family down in a place and I said, I want you guys to realize this. I was 25 years old. I said, the world is going to know the David last name. I am telling you right now, we've gone through hell and back. People have not respected us because we went through a divorce. We were never rich. We were never wealthy. We never got degrees. There isn't anything you can say that my son went to UCLA, USC, you know, Wharton Business School. He's a doctor. He's a lawyer. He's an attorney. Nothing. <coughs> but I said, I promise you, before I die, the world's going to know your last name. And you will one day go to heaven. And you'll know you made the right decision bringing your family to America. That I promise you. 
that created the juice. The how-to came later. I don't know how I was going to do it, huh. but I knew the fire was in my belly. I think a lot of times people are trying to do it the other way around. A lot of times people are trying to figure out the how-to. How do I do this? How do I do that? How about this part? I'm trying to get in your soul. I'm trying to get in your spirit. I'm trying to get in your heart. I'm trying to get in your belly. If I move that, this will figure it out. It's not the other way around. This doesn't say, let me go tap into my heart. The heart says, let me go tap into how I'm going to figure this part out. So I think a lot of people are working it backwards. They need to go here first, then here, instead of here first, then here. So I went here first. Once I created the juice here, everything else was a piece of cake. So you speak about this juice. For somebody that's watching right now that, that doesn't have that, how do they create it? Where do they get it from? Uh, I, I think not enough people ask the right questions in life. I think uh, uh, this same thing here is a tool to make billions today. You can make a lot of money here today with this, this simple tool. This is a computer, okay? You can have followers. You can use this tool to hook up with people. You can use this tool to swipe left, swipe right. You can use this tool to create followers. You can use this tool to <coughs> watch videos, movies. You can use this tool to play games. You can use this tool to create a photograph. You can use this tool to create videos, or you can use that tool to make money. But at the same time, this is by far the biggest distraction. What this does is this prevents you from asking the right questions. Everything you're doing is based on what you see here. I would much rather give you 83 questions to ask you get clear, then go to the tool, rather than go to the tool first. If, I, if I'm able to sit down with somebody, so for instance, I run a uh, financial company. A lot of people see me as a content creator, they think I'm a YouTuber, I'm not a YouTuber. YouTube is purely something I do on the side as a hobby. Uh, this valuetainment thing became a business uh, all of a sudden. This was an accidental business, this was never the plan. Uh, for me, I run a financial firm, I, I run an insurance company. I grew it from 66 agents, to we're at 9,700 agents right now. One of my investors is De La Hoya, Gabriel Brenner, who owns the Houston Dynamo and Adelaide Fund, a fund out of New York that's a $2 billion fund. That business grew because I eventually had to realize the only way you develop a business that starts going is you gotta get better at developing leaders. If you don't know how to develop leaders, you can't drive your organization. Those one-on-one -on -one meetings that are 30-minute meetings, one-hour meeting, hour-and-a-half meetings, I will tell you, if you can tap into those meetings, you will learn a lot more than the videos. Huh. Because if I sit down with you an hour, have a conversation with you through the questions we ask, by the time we're done, we process six, seven, eight different things together. Yeah. And you're gonna get clarity. So, and the reason why that's so effective is because most people don't do it on their own. Most people are afraid of the tough questions. Why do you think that happens nowadays? Because nobody wants to face the truth. Everybody's afraid, afraid of the truth. None of us want the world to know our real insecurities, to know our real self-esteem issues, to know our real uh, uh, areas that we worry about ourselves. I'm not really good in this area. Man, I better hide it. The world better not know about the fact that I am this or I am that. And we're trying to be this facade, this act. We're tougher than we really are while we're really scared behind closed doors. Everything is an act. The <coughs> person who a lot of people won Oscars yesterday, but I guarantee you the greatest actors in the world are not in Hollywood. The greatest actors in the world are the regular day-to-day -day people that are acting like they're having a good life. They're acting like <laughs> they're successful. They're acting like everything is good. They're acting like they're tough. They're acting like they're millionaires. They're acting like they're hardcore. These are the best actors in the world, not the ones in Hollywood. Especially with social media nowadays. Especially with social media. You know, everything is about an act. So the less it's an act, the more it's you actually being aligned. Your values, principles, your behaviors match 
who you really are, when those align, you have power. And once you have power, then you see it in the eyes. Then when you see the eyes, you say, my gosh, this guy looks like he's so focused. He's so confident. He's so determined. The only difference between that guy and you, he's answered the tough questions and gotten to the core. Everybody's on the surface level of it. So you think, so fear is the biggest key reason to why people don't receive clarity in life. Fear is one of them, but fear is not a bad thing. We put too much, we criticize fear too much. I, I, I don't think fear is a bad thing. I think fear, if fear makes you not move, that's a bad thing. If fear makes you curious to want to know more, that's a good thing. If fear produces urgency, I don't mind it. If, if fear produces you being immobilized and you're no longer moving, that's a bad thing. Everything is not good and bad. You know, a lot of people look at uh, things, they say, well, that's, this is all bad. No, not at all. A lot of things are uh, good. Uh, you know, divorce is bad. I tell you, in a lot of instances, divorce is a good thing. You know, I know people that got a divorce that made the best decisions of their lives. Years ago, when my parents got a divorce, I told my uh, mom and dad, I said, I can't believe you guys got a divorce, et cetera, et cetera. Years later, when my dad sat down and talked about it, I said, it was actually a very good decision you made. You know, mm -hmm. but in some instances, it doesn't make sense. Some people get a divorce because they don't want to escape uh, the truth and they don't want to sit down and have the real conversations. But some people do it because it makes sense. You know, in some instances, when you follow bankruptcy, it makes sense. But if you follow bankruptcy because it's kind of like, well, I just want to throw everything in there, I get it. In some cases, it makes sense. In some cases, uh, fear is a good thing. I think fear has uh, driven me a lot. I mean, uh, a lot of my life is driven by fear at the beginning stages of it until I have breathing room to decide what I want to do next. But it's not one or two things. It's you, you realizing one thing, okay? Take these cameras away, these three cameras that are facing the three of us, okay? Take them away. You're by yourself. No one is around. No one's watching what you're doing. No one cares about your car. No one cares about your muscles. No one cares about your house. No one cares about your bank account. It's you versus you. Who do you want to be? What life do you want to live? Really, do you want to get married? Why do you want to get married? Are you getting married because everybody gets married? Are you becoming a millionaire because you're gonna have a car to show off to your friend or an ex to say, oh my gosh, he's rich now, I could have been with him. What is all the motivation here? If the answers are shallow, you will be very disappointed once you get them. But if the answers are clear with a deep-rooted motivation, we'll be very satisfied when you achieve these different milestones. But most people don't ask those tough questions. Now, is there a wrong motivation to have? Because I feel like a lot of people have like a chip on the shoulder, right? Where, you know, I'm doing this yeah. because I was, et cetera, bullied when I was younger. This happened and I want to prove something to the world. I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. But I think eventually, uh, uh, just like, you know, if a guy wants to go work out first, okay? Most Mr. Olympia people didn't become Mr. Olympia because they won. They said, I want to be Mr. Olympia. They became Mr. Olympia because what? They were a kid. They were bullied. So they want to lift the weight so a guy would stop bullying them. Then they're like, oh my gosh, my body develops well. Look at my arms, look at my legs. My chest is a full chest. I have a nice back. It's developed. And then somebody at the gym says what? Have you ever thought about competing? Then he competes, right? Nobody goes and takes boxing <coughs> lessons or UFC MMA or they go learn jujitsu because it's like, oh my gosh, I'd love to do this unless if their father or their mother's into it. Most people take it because somebody bullied them and they had a moment. And it was a public, humiliating loss. You got knocked out. Everybody talked about it for a month. You didn't want to go back to school. If anybody's ever been publicly knocked out or humiliated, they know the feeling. You want to find the smallest hole in the world and just go hide in it, right? But that could be a good thing because if it leads to you going and fighting and you all of a sudden become a UFC champion, the motivation was you were bullied. Mm -hmm. But 
the original chip to make you move is fine. But if it only stays on the chip, eventually you'll slow down or eventually you won't actually experience the juice of it. <laughs> There's eventually got to be a maturity outside of the chip. For example, when we first, when I first started the company, insurance company, it was to kill everybody. It was a, I had a list of all the names. <laughs> I'm going to make sure every flipping person here that said anything, you're going to hear about me. And by the way, that's not gone away. That's a part of it. But that used to be here. That's not here anymore. It's like here now. It's still there, but it isn't It's 100%. not a priority. It's not anymore. Right now, it's a completely different story. Uh, right now, for me, it's a whole different story. You know, uh, and, and by the way, here's what's wild about it. My drive, if the motivation to want to kill everybody was here, and that motivation is here, my drive today is 20 levels above it. It's not that the drive is gone because the chip is gone. The vision's gotten bigger and more clear. But at the beginning, if it motivates you and moves you, I have no problem with the chip at all. It just can't be the main one long term. Because yeah, I ask like, because I feel like a lot of people look at that from a negative standpoint. Like, no, oh, what if I'm doing negative. things wrong? It's like, but I always tell people just like, just start, do something, like get yourself out there because yeah. that's the only way you're gonna experience it. So, in the past many many years of you, ever since you're in your 20s, ever since you went to your parents and told them that you know the Bet David name is gonna be known, versus who you are today, what was the biggest mindset shift that you probably could either remember or could like point out that got you to the level that you're at today? From when? From 20s? Uh, from, from when you started this entire journey? I don't think it's one. I think it's, I really don't think it's one. I think it's phases. Let me explain to you what I mean by phases. So initially, I am broke. I'm in a uh, broken family. I get out of the military. I don't have any money. The first thing was I just had to make some money. So I experienced a little bit of money. Then from there it was, I kind of want to make some real money because I want to experience what it is to uh, have money, be able to go places, travel, buy nice clothes. I, that's status. Then I did that. And the third one was freedom. I want to have some money where it's in the million. So I got freedom. Then it's purpose. Each phase produces a different energy that it can't explain. It's completely different. Like a person driven by uh, uh, wanting to have breathing room is not going to get the same motivation. Like if you are making $1,500 a month and you're not paying the rent and I'm sitting here talking to you about purpose, you can't really go into purpose because all you're thinking about is you're in debt 38 grand. Mm -hmm. How are you going to make that $38,000 payment? Step number one is I got to give you oxygen. Oxygen is let's make sure we help you make some income so you have some breathing room. Step number one, oxygen. Now that you have oxygen, now you have sanity, now you can process better, now I can talk to you about bigger things in life. I think sometimes the timing of things to motivate is different. Like you can watch a movie at 21 years old and a movie is going to produce a different energy than you watch that movie at 39 years old. Same exact movie. You'll watch it, you're like, oh my gosh, I completely missed the point of this. But at 21, the point you got was a completely different point. Rocky IV, you can watch it when you're 14, you're 24, you're 34, you're 44. Every year you watch Rocky IV, you're going to look in a completely different perspective. So when you say what single event, there's not a single event. The one part I will tell you is the following. Here's what I will tell you. The moment I realized I could compete in the marketplace, um, and I figured out the formula, things changed for me. The monster became very small. The competitor that was big was no longer intimidating. Huh. It was very simple. I realized most people cannot last a long time. Most people cannot last a long time. No way in the world. Most people's stamina cannot last a long, last a long in time. In the business world. In the business world. No way. Most people's endurance, stamina, 
energy. They can't last a long time. Their motivation goes away. Their energy goes away. They all say, oh my gosh, I'm happy. I'm making a million dollar year income. Most people that are driven by money, they're the first ones to slow down. You'll see a lot of guys <laughs> that are driven, they're the first people to slow down. They'll make a million, they'll get the house, they'll get the car, they're slowing down. And you're sitting there saying, how come this guy, this guy is so much more talented than me. Yeah, but you're not going up against a guy that's thinking big. You're going up against a guy that just wants the money. So then you really start figuring things out. What is going to get me to go longer? If it's money, it'll slow down. If it's a chip, until that, that chip is already proven, then what? It's got to be something much bigger than that. So once you tap into the bigger one, it just gives you a longer lifespan of running versus slowing down. So once I got that perspective, then the real question I had to ask myself was the following. Hey, PBD, let's see how big you really think. You talk a big game, let's really think how big you think. No one really knows how big you think. We're about to find that out. Because you just figured out the formula. You know what works. You know what you need to do. You know X times Y minus Z, okay, equals exactly what you want. The only question is, are you going to go through this? And for how long? That part, only time will tell. You know, look at Vince Carter. Maybe one of the most talented dunkers in the history of the game. Some people call him the GOAT when it comes down to dunking. This guy can jump out of the gym. He goes up, no one knows when he's coming down. It's insane the way he dunks. That's why they call him what? Vinsanity, right? It's insanity. It makes zero sense, right? <laughs> How come he never became in the conversation with the Kobe's, LeBron's, MJ's? How come he's not in that conversation? How come Dominique Wilkins is not in that conversation? Dominique Wilkins one time said, if you had the difference between talent, you know, and you have all this talent and all this ability uh, versus technical skills, which one would you take? And says, everybody says talent. He says, no, long term, it's going to be technical skills and the desire to want to do it long term. Dominique was the same. He beat Jordan in a dunk contest. And you, you get all these guys that you look at on the surface, they're like, oh my gosh, so impressive. But you're not realizing MJ's deep-rooted here. People know, don't have a clue what the motivation is here or with Kobe here. This is what's scary. This is a very scary thought if it comes from here. Then you find out who can last a long time. So that's why you look at the game today. You know, you look at LeBron. One, I'm not a LeBron fan. Like I'm, You won't see me saying I'm a, there's a lot of LeBron fans, but I'm going to tell you one thing about LeBron I respect a lot. Look how detailed he is about how he takes care of his body. Sure. Look how detailed he is about how he takes care of his body. He just passed 32,000 points. He's going to pass MJ, Kobe, Kareem. If he goes at this pace four seasons, he's going to be the highest scorer of all time. Detail, right? He's lasted a long time. He's going to crush everybody with stats. But uh, you will never know that. That's going to take a long time for us to figure out. When coming out of college, everybody said Carmelo. Everybody said Carmelo. Oh, he's the one that's going to be the hope. Oh, you kidding me? You got to bank on Carmelo. You got to bank on this. You never know long-term long -term who wins. But that's the beautiful part about the game. Because in the moment while you're competing, when MJ beat Michael, Magic Johnson for the first time, nobody still put MJ as the greatest. Yeah. No one's going to know it. The game is a long game. So you won't know until you figure it 5, out 10, 20 go. years later. You yeah. will not figure that part out. Yeah. So what's, what's your, I want to I ask you a deep question. What's your purpose for living? What's uh, PBD's purpose for living? Yeah, so that's a great question. I'm going to try to give it to you in a, uh, uh, some of it's going to be stuff that people are going to say, what the hell is he talking about? So for me, uh, a part of it, uh, my life, if, I, if God gives me 80 years of living, I am going through four phases of 20. The first 20 uh, is what produced this fire. Me going through war in Iran and divorce and refugee camp and people dying and you know, all this stuff was preparing me for this. Military, this is all my first 20 years. 
The second 20 was me uh, uh, understanding the world of business and people, being put into situations to study human <coughs> nature, to understand what people are driven by, to get the concept of business, what moves what, what, what drives what. It's business, financial, very simple. I love the game that I'm in right now. The next 20 is going to be a different game, and the last 20 is going to be a different game. Uh, number one, uh, what is taking place in Venezuela, I, it bothers me because I'm from Iran, and uh, a big part of what's going on with Venezuela and Iran is very similar. They both have a lot of oil reserve. Um, you, you know, most people have no idea that Venezuela has the most oil reserve in the world. They're number one. Hmm. Number four is uh, 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 Iran. Number two is Saudi Arabia. Number three is Canada. Most people don't even know Canada is number three more than Iran. But Iran went through a mess with what took place with it. So lost freedom. I got three kids. I want to take my kids to Iran, and I want it to be free. So I want to be able to do something with Iran. I'm a Syrian. The Syrians don't have a country. If the Jewish community can get their country back, Israel, and build it into what it is today, I want the Syrian community to one day have their own country. And then I want to make sure the concept of capitalism keeps going for a long time because uh, there's a, you combine charisma, especially we have today, charisma with socialism. People start sitting there and saying, what a noble person this is. But uh, the concept of capitalism needs to be around for a long time because mankind is born to be free. I can tell my kids a million times, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that. If he wants to touch it, he's going to touch it because he's born wanting to be free from day one. Let me decide what I want to do in my life. And uh, I just want to make sure the concept of capitalism is spread to countries that people don't have access to. That part I'm going to do to the day I die. Interesting. Very interesting purpose. So this takes me, you were talking about having a longevity, having your juice pumping you, being motivated for the rest of your entire, you know, you playing the game. What keeps you going and doesn't make you sit back and say, you know what, I've built this huge empire. I'm good for now. I'm comfortable. Like, what's that one thing that you'd recommend? I guess not for someone that's starting, for someone that actually has a big company, but they're having troubles, you know, leveling up, taking it to the next level. What are the key three tactics that maybe you can share with everyone that's watching on how to get out of the comfort zone consistently? Again, it's the vision. You know, you, if, you, if you don't have a clear vision long-term of what you want to build, you will slow down. Uh, if it's money, you will slow down. The first thing anybody watching this needs to do is to sit down and ask yourself, you're building a business, what is a long-term vision? I had a guy was uh, uh, initially, when we started the company, it was an insurance company that was bigger than us. And we had 66 agents, he had like a thousand agents. And the message I would keep hearing from his guys is like, well, you know, he's a, such a nice guy. All he keeps saying is, you know, the moment he gets a $10 million check, he's stepping away, he's gonna give us the business. And I kept saying, there's no way in the world we're in the same league. Yeah. No way in the world. He wants a check. I, I'm not sitting here getting a check and wanting to walk away and do nothing. So, so if you can't figure out your own long-term reasoning, if you do, this is my next part, there's two sides to it. If you're okay with it, it's nobody's business. Let me say that one more time. It's no one's business. If you're okay with what? If you're okay with 10 million and you are completely aligned with it, oh, okay. it's nobody's business, whether you want to think big or small. It's irrelevant because you are being, again, look, people ask the question, what is the most important skill set in life, okay? A lot of people say a lot of different things. You know, you need to learn how to do this, you need to learn how to do that. For me, I have three kids. If there's one ability I'm gonna pass down to my kids, is number one, how to process issues. It's by far the number one ability. You give me somebody that learns how to process issues, 
that person's gonna go to the top <coughs> if you learn how to process issues. Because within processing issues, you'll be able to answer the question about finance, health, marriage, uh, politics, uh, uh, spiritual, taxes, all the questions because you're p- constantly processing issues. But the other part when people ask, what is happiness, right? Where does happiness come from? What is the answer to happiness? Is it ecstasy? Is it pot? Is it coke? Is it alcohol? Is it sleeping with 10 women at the same time? Is it dating the hottest guy, the hottest girl? What, what, what is happiness? Is it living in a big house? Is it driving a Ferrari? Is it driving a Lambo? To me, happiness is very simple. It's alignment. The happiest people in the world are aligned. Let me explain. If what you want out of life aligns with your values and principles, you are happy. If what you want out of life aligns with the way you live and your values and principles, you're happy. If you work nine to five and you come home every night at five o'clock and one of your alignments in life is the key to success is having dinner every single night at six o'clock. Every night, I have to have dinner at six o'clock with my wife and kids, and you are fully sold out to that, no problem. That's your happiness. It's not mine. If I have to be home every day at five o'clock, I am miserable. If I have to, if I have to work nine to five only and my regimen is I better be home and I have a job, I can't, I will never be happy. But there are many people that are very happy with that. So first thing is you gotta find out what your alignment is. The second thing is, are you thinking small? Are you pushing the envelope? Are you okay? If you're 21 years old right now, you may say, Pat, I'm very happy. I'm very content. No problem. Let me paint a picture for you first, and you tell me if you're happy. You are 65 years old. You're living a regular life. You got a place. You did okay in life. Nothing crazy. When you die, a couple hundred people are going to show up to your funeral. After that, maybe your wife and kids show up for a couple years, a few years. And then after that, maybe 100 years later, one of your you know, great grandkids are going to show up. And then that's pretty much it. Everyone forgets about you. And you know you had the ability, talent-wise, to build an empire and really make an impact in the world, but you didn't. Paint a picture, you're 65 years old, you're sitting at the dinner table, your kids are sitting there, everyone's looking at you, everyone's talking, all this other stuff they're doing, but you know internally you don't reach your capacity. Are you okay with that? If you say, I'm still okay with that, keep doing what you're doing. But if you say, I will be miserable, then you better start moving today. So you're thinking too small. So alignment, with knowing if you're okay not reaching your capacity. If you do want to reach your capacity, you cannot do a do nine to five. You really got to tee it up. Mm. Very nice. So due to time limitations, I want to get into one specific thing. A morning routine. I personally believe that's very key to anyone's success. Or it doesn't have to be morning, but it's like when you first wake up, what you do for the first 30 to 45 minutes of your day kind of sets you up for the rest of the day. So take me through what you do or if you have any specific routines that you've you know, you've like focused on that you continue to do every single day that gets you going mentally. So I, I have <laughs> a few sources of things I read in the morning that are unbiased. These are unbiased, very uh, right in the middle on what's going on with the economy, the marketplace. I'll read that first thing in the morning. Uh, I have to do my cardio. My body has to move in the morning. And then I'll come to the office. Normally nobody will be here. I'll do my cardio. I have the gym at the office. And then my work starts. So for me, it's data was taking place feeding my brain, working out, following up. And then again, when I go to my desk, the first thing I look at is that of the business uh, the day before, everything, sale, agency, licensing, I'm all data. 
and then I take my next steps. But my body has to move first thing when I wake up in the morning. So what's the key to being a high performer? I know a lot of people, you know, that watch this always ask me, like, you know, how do you always mentally have this high vibration or high frequency, whatever you want to call it? For you, you seem, like, as I said, super freaking focused. So what have... I mean, you kind of said that it, you have this drive, this hunger, but for someone that's watching and doesn't have that, like how can they activate, not the drive or hunger, but how can they activate this mental process at a faster pace so that they're always performing at a high level? Again, I think you're going, uh, you're taking it backwards. It's, it's, it's too much of the how-to. It's more the why-to. We're spending okay, way too much time on the how-to. It's not the how-to. If I have one hour with you, uh-huh. I am not giving you 19 steps on how to go out there and make millions. If I'm sitting with you for an hour, I'm getting deep down inside to figure out what moves you. I want to find out your motivation. There's typically 20 different markers. I have to figure out what's going to be able to move you. Then when I find out what moves you, that's what I'm picking on the entire time. Then I'm reminding you every time you're about to tap out, you got to tap into the what drives you, what moves you. If you don't do that, like give you a perfect example. Somebody said, well, Pat, most of these messages we keep hearing, they all sound the same, right? I said, okay, what, what are you saying? Most of these motivational messages, there's a lot, a lot of people that post the same thing. Never give up, never quit, persistent, yeah. perseverance. I said, so are you saying what? It's not needed, it's needed, what are you saying? He said, I'm just curious, you know, I'm like, do I really need to hear this stuff? I said, number one is first the world has to keep re-reminding you until you are so independent that you remind yourself. Because if you eventually are able to motivate yourself and you re-remind yourself, you don't need all the motivation in the world. It's like a, it's a tipping point. Somebody gets you up. Somebody changes you. Somebody gets you going. Hey, you got to go to school. Hey, you got to go to school. Hey, you got to go to school. Graduate the house. High school, you're out of the house. College, you got to go to school. You ain't got to go to college. You don't have to go to class. You're okay if you don't go to class. No one's going to fire you. You're not going to get any tardy, any of this stuff. You got to go to class to pass your class. Motivation becomes you. The motivation is no longer parents. So that's a tipping point. You got to figure out a way to self-motivate yourself because if... If it's constantly external, you eventually tap out and you'll run out. So, again, going back to it, peak performer, high performer, it's all internal. So you think people focus too much on the house? Oh, way too much in the yeah. house. Are you kidding me? Oh, way. We give way too much value to the house. Way too much value to the house. It's like dating a girl. We give way too much value to the outside. How do I you mean, get her? It, what do you do to you, do that? You have no idea how many dates I've gone on. And I would sit there. I'm like, wow, this, she has dropped it gorgeous. I have no clue what the hell to talk to her about. I don't know what to do. Where's the substance? But isn't isn't that the reason, like, for human... I mean, us humans, we like to be... I mean, obviously, there's a reason for mentorship, all that kind yeah. of stuff. We need guidance. So, like, even if we figure out the why... So, for me, I, 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 I could... Like, I, I was told... I, I People tell me all the time that I'm a very ambitious person, but the one thing that I do find trouble with yeah. is, is, like, where do I go next? What do I do next? How do I take this? And... For example, you asked me, what are you guys doing to monetize the platform? So Mon- take you. Let's go with you right now. Sure. What, what, what do you want to do with your life? What In what aspect? Just everything in general? What do you want to be in life? So I, I, my goal really comes down deep. I actually don't, uh, I haven't really talked about this, but I went through an overdose a couple of years ago. Okay. And my, my, my uh, deep, deep motivation is to have an influence and an impact around the world to show people that I was grown, I was bullied because I was Muslim and everything for just my religion. And I feel like, you know, coming from, I, I wouldn't say a minority standpoint, but coming yeah. from a standpoint of like, I see how people in my religion are. They're like hiding in the corner, not really sure if they can do certain things. And I, I applaud a lot of people out there that really push that agenda. Like, hey, it doesn't matter who I am or what I do. I am perfect the way I am. So I want to be a key influencer in showing the entire world that 
despite all the issues that I went through, that my religion is my, I, I'm, a very, I'm a very religious person, so my religion is my drive every single day to show the world that being Muslim is, has actually helped me. I want to give a very, I want to shine a bright light onto the, like Muslims in general. And what did that experience two years ago do to you? Oh, wow. It, it, uh, it woke me up. It made me realize that I'm doing so many things incorrectly, made me realize that I have so much potential in front of me that I, you know, I need to tap into, that I wasn't tapping into at all. I, I looked around. I saw friends that I didn't want to hang around with. I looked, I went to class. I was like, why am I even doing this? Like, what's the why started? Like, it, you're right. The why started to kick in. Yeah. Why am I doing it? What's the reason? I mean, you, what you just said is a perfect example of what I just told you. Yeah. It has nothing to do with how to. But I get lost. I mean, being but 21, I get lost. But that's in okay. Sense. You're yeah. going to get lost many times. But let me, let me put it to you. You're going to be a parent for the first time. You're going to be lost. Yeah. You're going to be married for the first time. You're going to be lost. You're going to be lo- You're going to have 10 million in the bank. You're going to be lost. You're going to say, what do I do with this 10 million? Huh. You are, it, life is like, there's not a, ma- you're going to be lost for the rest of your life. But the key is when you're there, at least the motivation, the foundation is solid on what's keeping me going. You will always figure out how to if the motivation is solid. Let me put it to you this way. You tell me what's the one question. Listen, listen about what I'm about to ask you. You tell me what's the one question you can't go on Google or YouTube and type in how to. Tell me one question. How to what? Give me one question. How to what? How to start a business. How to jumpstart a car. How to change oil. How to what? It would be something about me. How to calm yourself down. How to... I mean, you have an answer for everything. The point yeah. is that is not the solution. <coughs> this is not let's figure out how to anything. The world has so much inventory of how to, but the world doesn't have inventory for why to. The how to inventory were on full. <laughs> people are overdosing on how to, not overdosing on why to. Do you think that actually causes people to get lost more? Because they're so focused on the wrong. No, it's not. It's the value goes away. That huh. the value of life goes away. Let me tell you, the value of life goes away in a big way. You know, it's, it's very simple. You, you just go back and look at countries that are going through crisis. Look what 9-11 did. Yeah. Okay, 9-11 made Democrats, Republicans, blacks, whites, Asians, Latinos, men, women, uh, uh, gay, straight, heterosexual. It doesn't matter what. Everybody came and said, I just want to help the city, man. It's my city. It's my city. It's my city. No one asked, are you Republican? I don't help Republicans. Are you Muslim? I don't help Muslims. Are you Christian? No, man. We became a community. You know, it's a very simple uh, statement uh, I heard this past weekend on Sunday from a pastor. He said, uh, building a community is hard, but if you want really hard, try isolation. Isolation is really hard. We need community. Uh, we, We spend way too much time. No one asked a manual of how do I move rocks when 9 11 building came down. Like, who is going to read a book? How to survive a 9-11 crisis when two of the most famous buildings in the world, World Trade Center, comes down? How do we handle that? You don't need a video for that. That's all Y2. 9-11 is a perfect example of Y2. That's what moves people. Yeah, that, that, that creates a juice in us that nothing else can create. Nothing else can create. We forget to tap it. Listen, I said this a couple weeks ago. We give way too much credit on our success to all the good things that happen in our lives. And we don't give enough credit to all the terrible things we experience in life. Once I realize in life that all the people that hurt me, all the people that robbed me, all the, you know, all the crap that I went through, I am so grateful for those people, man. 
I am so grateful for those people. We forget that. We forget that crisis is needed for us to see how we respond to it. Crisis brings people together. Crisis makes us ask the right questions of why to, not how to. Too much success only leads to how to. Sometimes you need crisis to ask the why to. It is needed. You know, why, why are funerals important? What's the positive thing about funerals? To remember the person that's... But what is, what is another thing about funerals that's a positive thing for all of us? A funeral makes you realize one day that's you. Yeah. And if you don't think about you, guess who you think about when you think about <coughs> funerals? You may say, you may say, well, I'm only 21. It's not going to be me. But you'll say, that could be my mom. My, mom. my dad, that somebody, could be my dad. Yeah. Exactly. So it takes you to a place that we need to get to. Sometimes we don't go there. We are so... We, we live such a logical life that we forget about the juice of life on emotions. We live such a logical life. First, we got to get emotions. People ask me, how do you drive people, Pat? I don't go logic first. You go logic first. I don't need to go logic first. They're living an entire logical life. I'm going emotions. I'm going to go to your heart. I'm going to go to your soul. I'm going to go to your spirit. I'm going to move that. I'm going to shake that up. Then the rest you have to figure out. Uh, don't you think the way we're raised in today's world, going to school, being told to do certain things, it kind of places that logical mentality into us. I mean, there's not a lot of people that view life the way you do. And there's, and, I, and I've seen, I mean, growing up personally, I look around and see the friends that I used to be around and I, they're always so lost because, I, for example, I, th- I think school is like a, a huge reason to why a lot of people fail in life because we're, it, it's just the system itself is so old and needs to be renovated be, it, to, to, to fit today's society that it causes so much downfall in the way that the brain is operating. And I feel like a lot of people don't focus on the why because the how-to to them is shined in this light that you got to do it. And the why is actually put down in a negative hindsight. Cause I, I agree. I mean, again, you're saying it. I fully agree. And it's interesting you called me out on it because, like, you know, a lot of podcasts that you watch always yeah. focus on, like, how did you do this? How did you do that? No, what did no, you no. do? Just listen to yourself. Yeah. Are you kidding me? What you just said, that's all white. None of what you said was how to. Nothing. You got nervous. I don't talk about this. Two years ago, I had an overdose. For me, I grew up bullying. I'm a Muslim. Everything of what you said is all white too. Everything is white too. Everything is white too. None of it was how to. Believe me, I have, I, I've never ran a financial firm before. By the way, prior to becoming a CEO, you know how some people like, before somebody becomes a president, sometimes they work under a vice president or they work sure. as a vice president or they work under somebody so they see day to day. Like Mike Pence has the most experience of what it is to be a president the last 18 months other than Trump, Obama, Bush, you know, Jimmy and all the other guys because he's watched it for the last 18 months, right? Yeah. Okay. I never shadowed a CEO. I never you watched just a started CEO. It. I kinda... just started. I had no idea. But my why too, that's what you cannot underestimate. You cannot underestimate. My why to was so flipping strong. I'm going to figure out the how to. I don't care if the other guy has more how to. You know, these companies on their websites, they put over 400 years of experience in the technology industry, in the financial industry. It's irrelevant. You give me one person that has more why to than all those guys combined. And as a decent processor, you better watch out what's going to happen next decade. We spend way too much time crediting how to. Well, all right, Patrick, we have gone to an end. It's been exactly 45 minutes. So is there anything you would like to add on for everyone that's watching? No, I would tell you uh, one of the uh, things that people ask me for many years have asked. They said, are you doing a live conference? 
you know, for the longest time, it's always been creating content. I want to spend three days with you, not just 20 minutes or 30 minutes with you. I will be hosting the first live conference ever called The Vault. It'll be in Dallas, Texas from May 1st to May 4th. Uh, this isn't one of those conferences you go to where 20 speakers sell 20 packages, not at all. I'll be teaching you from morning till night every single one of the strategies that have helped, to get, helped me get to where I'm at right now, whether it's raising money, taking a YouTube channel from zero to a million one subscribers, whether it's uh, recruiting, hiring, firing, scaling at good times, bad times, all of that's going to be covered at this conference called The Vault, May 1st to May 4th. Uh, more information for the event, you can go to valuetainment.com to register. And where can people find you on social media? Uh, anywhere. Go to Patrick Bay Debbie. You'll find me on Instagram, Twitter. You'll find me everywhere. Awesome. All right, Pat. Thank you so Buddy, much for your Thanks time. for having me. Appreciate, Appreciate it. you. Thank you.